Hey guys, welcome back to another episode um, from our sound bite training series. This is Felicia. I'm a first time guest, Josh. I don't know if you ever heard me of me before. Yeah, he's brand new, so be sure to get to know him if you haven't. <laughs> or don't. It's probably better for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Self-deprecation humor, guys. Um, we are tackling the uh, lovely topic of LGBTQ, where we are going to do a four-part series where we... <laughs> where we talk about um, stance and definitions, how to navigate this conversation um, in your group and when students come out to you, and even how to navigate this conversation with your parents moving forward. Josh and I don't pretend to be experts on the subject, but um, our heart is to better equip you for these conversations as they continue to pop up more and more in our groups. I think Josh and I both are navigating conversations with you guys on a weekly basis um, about the subject. Um, for each episode, we are going to bring in different opinions um, from Eastview, and just to help us navigate this conversation better, um, we would obviously love to hear about the situations that are going on in your groups as well. This is just a, this is just meant to help you get started on this, but we would love to continue to meet with you and pray for your situation and help navigate those one on one. Yeah, I think the analogy that I've been thinking of with this is it's like you're back in college and you have a research paper and it's 50 pages and at some point you just got to start it and it sucks because it feels so big and it feels like you can't actually accomplish it. But at some point you just got to put uh, words on the page. And so really with this topic, we're just starting this. It's not we're not giving you all the answers. It's not the end goal here. This is the beginning of many conversations that are going to be happening, honestly, for probably the rest of our lives with this topic. And so a lot of us avoid starting because it seems really big and really hard. So let's get started together. Let's work through this together and then see where it goes. So um, from the beginning, we wanted to go ahead and give you um, a little bit of like a stance on how Eastview um, related to the topic of LGBTQ and um, some biblical precedent for that as well. And so first, ECU is a non-affirming church, and so what that means is that we do not affirm the lifestyle of LGBTQ. Um, we, that does not mean someone cannot attend our church or be in a small group or something like that. So we have people who come to ECU who identify as that, or obviously students in your group may say that. So we are still welcoming to people like that. We're still being the hands and feet of Jesus to them, but we're not going to affirm the lifestyle, if that makes sense. And so affirmation doesn't necessarily mean you... <laughs> Affirmation doesn't mean you can't, non-affirmation doesn't mean you can't love someone. So you can still listen to them. You can still love on them. You can still hear their story. You can still even identify or even call them by pronouns or even acknowledge their lifestyle. But we will never um, advocate for you to say that you agree with them or that you encourage that lifestyle necessarily. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Felicia. Yeah, I think another thing to mention is that their serving options would be very limited if yeah. they identify in that lifestyle. But I think, Josh, you've nailed it. Just because um, we are non-affirming doesn't mean that we don't love them. And this is going to continue to be a conversation that we're going to have to navigate whether we affirm, the, affirm it or not. And so we've got to just approach it with um, love and grace as best as we can and bring in truth when the Spirit leads us to do that. Yeah, and I think... Part of the um, tricky thing can be is that this can be a topic that gets um, kind of attacked quite a bit where we like like to put this one on a pedestal. And part of that's for a decent reason because it's a lifestyle 
as opposed to a, like an individual sin issue. So if there's repentance and there's uh, attempts at change on things, we can work with that and students can be in a different serving place of that or whatever. But when you embrace this as your lifestyle, that's a difference. So it's just, it's a tricky subject. And so like, obviously we can have more conversations about that, what that means. Um, but then also if you would like for some possible scriptures to reference, we're not going to get super into them, but these are kind of some like the go-to ones that ECU or other churches would go to when you talk about being non-affirming. Um, so I'll go through them kind of slowly, but the first one's Matthew 19, four through six. Um, a pretty common one is Romans 1, 26 through 27. First uh, Corinthians six nine through eleven, First Timothy one eight through eleven, and then Genesis two eighteen through twenty five, and we can include those in the show notes on that mm-hmm. too, so you can click on those or at least have them written down. Um, and I would recommend looking at some commentaries on those as mm-hmm. well because that can be helpful. Sometimes there's people who try to misconstrue it to use it as a pro affirming argument when most biblical scholars would argue against that. Um, and there's also a lot of books that do studies on these verses as well, if you really want to get in the weeds of them. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah. The thing is, is when you go searching for this, whatever, I feel like sometimes whatever you're specifically looking for, whatever answer you want out of it yeah. is what you're going to be able to find. So you're going to find people that are all over on the subject, but, um, those are just some verses that we point to the Matthew verse and the Genesis verses point to how, um, marriage was imagined, not imagined, but designed by God. What did God imagine <laughs> it to be? Yeah, no, designed marriage to be. And then the Romans, First Corinthians and First Timothy verses talk specifically about homosexuality. Yeah. And like Josh, Josh said, you're going to find some people who try to use that um, in affirming ways. So you just have to continue to navigate that. And yeah, if you type in affirming passages and you type in non-affirming passages, you might get the same passage popping up and two different opinions on it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's based on their leanings and such. And so if you, I mean, seriously, if you want to get in the weeds on this, there are people who've done studies of Roman and Greek culture on homosexuality and um, gender wasn't as, I, I mean, that's really more of a recent phenomenon. Some people would argue it isn't, but it really is. Um, and so you can even look at that and see how it played out in the culture. And if you do enough digging, you'll see, um, I know you'll see, you'll see it to see what I mean on that, but yeah, it, that I feel should brings up a great point. You'll, whatever you're looking for, you'll probably find. So if you want to find someone to make an argument for affirming, they can make the argument. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true though. Um, so just be careful with that. Cause that's probably what your students are probably going to do. Like if it's almost like when you go, like I want a passage on anxiety, anyone can pull up something and say it applies to it or whatever. So just be careful with that, especially if students start to cite scripture to you. Um, that's something that can come up with that. So, mm-hmm. but Overall, oh, you had something. I've oh, I was just going to say that we'll be trying to provide resources in the show notes for you to check out. Yeah, that's good. So all that being said, what does that mean for me as a leader? <laughs> yeah, so two things that I think of is that this is a growing issue. So honestly, whether you're dealing with it in your small group or not, you should be learning about it so you know what your stance is and what you believe in it. And it's something... That isn't going to go away either. It's going to be something that we're going to be working through and processing and um, living out and dealing with for the rest of our life. And then two, um, you need to be aware of what Eastview's stance is and what their beliefs are and what we believe the Bible says about it. 
because you ultimately represent Eastview as a church. And so at the end of the day, what you believe, what you speak out to your group has to align with what Eastview says about this subject. Yeah, I think the issue we run into with this topic a lot is we get caught off guard and fire from the hip a little bit on it. When in reality, if we can start doing the hard work before, and I know some of you have already had those conversations, but if we can start doing the hard work now, it'll make those situations a little um, more digestible as you come into them. And there's even a psychological phenomenon that if you imagine a situation, your mind doesn't know the difference between actually experiencing it and imagining it. So if you can go through all this Mm -hmm. and imagine even the student you would never think of coming up to you and saying, hey, this is something I'm struggling with or I have questions on it. You can go ahead and process some of that emotions that you're going to go through. You can start to be like, oh, I didn't realize that my heart would react in that way or that I would be caught off guard like that or my nonverbals would go off in a way that I would not want my student to see. Um, and then to prepare yourself, not necessarily to have an argument, but to at least be informed on your end. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's going to be really important. And some of the first things you say to a student, you don't want to have to come back and walk that back later. But obviously, there's grace within all of it. So you don't need to be an expert on this issue. Like Felicia said at the top, we don't argue that we are by any means. And even the people coming on after this, we're all learning. We're all growing in this. So um, to continue on with this, um, I think it would be good if we go ahead and spend some of this podcast defining some terms. Mm. Um, So something right off the bat with that, it's really, really important to know what a student means by what they identify as, what they say. Because the, we're going to give you the broader cultural scientific definitions of different identifications, whether it's gender or sexuality. But a student may say something like, I'm cisgender and mean something different because mm-hmm. they might their friend might have said this is what it means and it might not be. So asking questions of like, what do you mean by that? What is that? What are you feeling? What does that mean for you is helpful but we want to at least give you like the, because a lot of them are well more, way, way more informed than we would think they would be. So when they say they're bisexual or heteronormative or stuff, they might actually know what they're talking about. And if some of those words come out to you, you might think you know what it means, but there's different, like some of the words on here have changed culturally in the last 10 to 20 years. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and start with the letters LGBTQ. And what does L stand for, Felicia? <laughs> it means lesbian. And so women are attracted to women. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel like this is like kindergarten. It's like, <laughs> yeah. anyways, um, G is for gay. And so that'd be the opposite. So guys that are attracted to guys. Mm-hmm. Bisexual is when you're attracted to both men and women. Personally, I find this to be one of the most common things that students say that they are, is that they are bisexual. I don't know if that's been Josh's experience, yeah. but a lot of the girls that have come out in groups have said that they are bisexual. Yeah, that's actually what I've been seeing as well, and some of you guys have been experiencing. So that, that's an interesting one to think about because it, it is different than being gay or lesbian straight up. Um, the next one deals with gender, and so transgender. And so there's a, this is a good distinction to think about. Sex and gender, they are mm-hmm. scientifically different things now. So in our head, we might think it's the same thing, but if you're talking to a student, they would say, like someone that's identifying this would say it's different. So sex is what you're born as. So I'm born a male, like that's my biological Mm -hmm. nature. But gender is what you identify as from like a social, psychological, and then they would even argue physicalness. And so transgender means you identify as a different gender in the way you were born as. So we're born, yeah, I'm getting way in the weeds now. But so if I was born as a male and now I'm saying I'm female, I would be, and then I start to make that transition. Yeah, you can take hormones or... 
yeah, different things. You can go undergo surgeries and things like that when it comes to transgender. Yes. And most of that happens as adults now, but they've started to see that happening as students too. Mm-hmm. So there's 14, 15 year olds who can start making transitions. And so some will just do it from uh, changing clothes. Some will do it from changing pronouns. Some will change it from those kind of perspectives. And some will actually make physical changes to their body to change mm-hmm. genders. Yeah, this is not so much just like a singular like thing it's more of a spectrum I feel like and they identify on different points of a spectrum almost yeah and that's actually really good to point out is something that they're finding is don't even though the society has lumped all of these um like lgbtq plus all these other things together they doesn't mean they identify together so just because I am like so a student is gay does that mean they're in the same bucket as someone who's transgender totally mm-hmm. different issues and that doesn't even mean they support one another like there's there's people i think a re- like recently there's been some upheaval within the sexuality side of it of people that are like we get lumped in with transgender and it's totally different arguments some of us don't even support that mm-hmm. so try your best to not put everyone in one bucket together with this mm-hmm. like obviously this is one bigger issue but each case is different and unique to them mm-hmm. yes and then so queer is the last official letter you will sometimes see other letters added to the end of it and things like that. But queer is more of just an over overall identify, identification on all of the other letters. Yeah, and it's usually it's like identify questioning a lot. Mm-hmm. So like you're like, I don't really know. And so I'm yeah. identify as queer because I could be multiple. I could not be. I have not confirmed it at all. But sometimes people will be the lesbian queer or right. just queer or straight queer. Like there's a spectrum of it so that's probably the most fluid and loose term of them all Mm -hmm. so especially someone says that to you you really want to get in the weeds okay what do you mean by that yeah so then there are some other common words that you might hear that either have to do with gender or with sexuality and one of those is asexual and that means they experience no or little sexual interest in anyone so they don't find anyone attractive typically or anything like that yeah and yeah, it's, and again, that word can mean a lot of different things. So again, mm-hmm. ask questions on that. And then there's cisgender, which means you your gender identifies with your biological sex. So if you identify as a male and your biological sex is male, you would be considered cisgender. Yes. So both of us are cisgender. Yeah. That would be like, that would be what they say. So not transgender, you don't, and you're not even considering the change of that. It's cisgender. Mm-hmm. Gender expression is how each person manifests gender. Could be tied to individual gender identity or could be a social construct. So once again, gender on basically a spectrum and it being fluid. Yeah, and that's it. going back to that sex versus gender thing is that people are starting to say gender is a social construct, sex is biological, and even then they're starting to argue that's not true. So that's good to think about. So when someone's talking about gender, they would believe that's, de- that's something you can change and debate. Mm -hmm. Um, gender fluid going back to that is you're not identifying with the particular gender yet or ever. So you might not feel like you fit in either bucket, um, or I guess any of the buckets because there's more than like they'll argue there's even more than two genders. Um, and then, or you're just not sure yet. So you might be in the process of questioning your gender and so you might be called gender fluid. Yeah. Heteronormative is that... The idea that there are only two genders, sexualities, male and female, and that everyone falls into either of those categories. This this language, heteronormative, and believing that tech is currently considered like oppressive and restricting. 
And so that makes it even more hard to navigate because that's where probably most of you land is in the believing in heteronormative gender and sexuality. Yeah. Um, And then going on to non-binary, and that is when someone identifies their gender as not one of the traditional male and female. So like I alluded to earlier, there's a spectrum of other genders that they may identify as, and so they would be considered non-binary at that point. Mm-hmm. And we even had a student during a Q&A last year ask if dating someone non-binary was bad. So definitely students are aware of other students being non-binary or identifying as non-binary. So it is something that you might hear in a regular conversation in your small group. And then lastly, there's pansexual or just pan and it's someone who's attracted to any kind of gender or sexual identity so once again if you believe or if you just um kind of understand as gender being more than just two then they just feel attracted to all of that so they feel attracted to all gender fluid types yeah so drinking out of a fire hose that's a lot I don't think we, I would, I think fully should agree with me on this. We don't expect any of you to have a firm grasp on this or to, to memorize all this. We're not going to come up with a quiz for you about, you know, all this. Yeah. but it's helpful to at least have some awareness of it and to continue to look into it. And obviously if you have a conversation with a student and you're confused or in general, it's probably good to again, ask where find questions and then they go do some research even about what that could mean because there's a pretty good chance they've probably done that. And a lot of students will find themselves in online communities or, communities at school that talk about these pretty um, in normative conversation. And so um, to them, it may feel like a normal conversation to us. It may feel more alien at times. Yeah. And I would just say that our heart is just to try to prepare and equip you for conversations that you might face on any given Wednesday. So we hope that this conversation has been helpful for you and we'll be releasing episode two pretty soon. Like always, if you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. We're here for you and we're praying for you.